Good morning. Well, we're back. For many of you who have been worshiping here at this congregation for many years, you'll you'll know that three and a half years ago, my wife and family, we moved away. We moved to Chicago. It was an emotional time for us. But I told you we'd be back. And one thing I learned while we were gone is life is full of changes. We've seen a lot of changes in the three and a half years we've been gone. We've seen the birth of Marnie and the joy that that brings to you and the family. In case you don't know, we have a souvenir child from every state we've lived in. And we already have one from Tennessee, so you can eliminate that thought. We've had death of grandparents in our family. We've got a cat. We've seen Emily start school. We've seen Kelsey be baptized. A lot of, a lot of wonderful changes. But as I look here amongst the crowd, I see a lot of changes have taken here as place here as well. I see a lot of new faces in the group. See that there are a lot of faces that I that are no longer here. I see that there's been two new elders appointed and growth in that area. Two new deacons appointed. And you now have Edwin. What can I say about Edwin? Edwin's great. But I think we realize from all of this that life is full of changes. Change is not easy. Most people are creatures of habit. We like things to remain the same. Longing, though, for things to remain the same is to miss out that, and looking back on the past, is to miss out on the fact that life is a journey. You know, in organizations today in business, as businesses make changes, there's now companies that evolve that specialize in change management. They go out and work with the management of organizations to get them to stop looking back and to move forward with their plans. While in Chicago, I heard a Cubs coach there, one of the base coaches, talk, and he said that the best players in the league, the best baseball players that steal bases, are the ones that don't look back. We just saw the completion of the Tour de France. There's an event in the race at the beginning where the bicyclists are all gathered together in a a pack. They're bunched. And at this point in the race, for someone to look back could be catastrophic. A lot of people could be injured. And so this morning I'd like to talk to you about what the Bible has to say to us all about the dangers of looking back. If you'll turn with me into Genesis, I think we'll start off there. We all are familiar with the story of Lot and his family. Let me see if I can get this projector to keep up. Lot and his family, as they lived in Sodom, their iniquities were great. Their destruction, the destruction was imminent. 
Lot and his wife and daughters are told not to look back. In chapter 19, verse 15 through 17, we'll read, And when morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. So the men seized the hands and the hands of his wife and the hands of his two daughters, for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought him out and put him outside the city. And it came about when they had brought them outside that one said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains, lest you be swept away. On down in verse 24, we see then that the Lord reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire, from the Lord, from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife from behind him, Lot's wife, looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. We sometimes look back on sin and revel in them. We look back on our former lives and we wish for it again. You know, we continue to see throughout the Old Testament and even the New Testament examples of Israel, how they constantly longed for Egypt and the bondage that they were in. Turn with me, if you would, over to Exodus. Exodus chapter 14, we'll read. We pick up here where Pharaoh and his armies are drawing close to Israel and as Moses is leading them out of Egypt. And we see that Israel becomes frightened. They cry out to the Lord in verse 12. They say, Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the wilderness. We also see over in Acts, if you turn back to Acts chapter 7, Verse 36 through 39 again, Israel's longing and looking back. We'll pick up reading in verse 36. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is also, this is the Moses who said to the sons of Israel, God shall raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness, together with the angels who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai, and who was with our fathers, and he received living oracles to pass on to you. And our fathers were unwilling to be obedient to him, but repudiated him in their hearts and turned back to Egypt. Here we see, as Moses delayed to come down out of the mountains, again, Israel turns back with their hearts to Egypt. They turn back to bondage and to the sin that they were in. Over in Numbers 11, verse 5, we see another example of Israel. In Numbers 11, verse 5, it reads, We remember the fish that we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. 
Numbers verses 14, 1 through 3, after receiving the report from the spies on the land of Canaan, we again see Israel looking back. Turn over to Numbers 14 with me and we'll read, Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? And why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? Let's not be like Israel. Let's not look back and have desires of the bondage of sin. Instead, we must press on. We must press on towards our goal, that which is in heaven. The second danger I think we find in the Bible is the danger of looking back with regret. Probably the best example we find for such a situation is that of Judas. Turn with me back over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 27. We see the story of Judas and the condition of his heart now after he has has betrayed Jesus, he deeply regrets what he's done. Picking up in verse 3 of chapter 27, Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? See to that yourselves. And he threw the pieces of silver into the sanctuary and departed. And he went away and he hanged himself. Judas was looking back with regrets on his past sins, not looking forward to the hope of heaven. And this is an example of what we shall not do. We must put our sins behind us as we move on to move forward. And I think we find an excellent example of that in Paul. Paul didn't regret his past sins. He pressed on. Paul was a persecutor of the church. He did lots of bad things. For some, that kind of past could have prevented them from moving forward, such as with Judas. That kind of past could prevent us from being useful in the future. Paul says, didn't keep up. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, if you want to turn with me over there, that it's a trustworthy statement. In verse 15 of 1 Timothy chapter 1, it's a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Other versions read, among whom I am foremost of all. Paul says here, he's the chief sinner. He knows he's had wrong in his life. But then, we see with Paul, he focuses on, he presses on, not looking back over in Philippians chapter 3. Verse 
If you want to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. Paul writes, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We often look back on our lives. We look back with regret at past sin. We look back with regrets of what we've done at mistakes and missed opportunities. How many of us here had money in the stock market in the dot-coms and said, boy, if I had just moved my money sooner? So often we get caught up playing the if-only-I-had game or the coulda-shoulda game. What we must realize is that looking back keeps us from moving forward. Looking back stops us from making progress. Mason Cooley once said that the past is always waiting to entangle and deflect us. If we turn over to Hebrews, there the Hebrews writer writes in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Take Paul's advice. Let's follow Paul's lead. Let's press on towards our goals, which that is in heaven. The third danger I want to talk to you about today is the danger of looking back with longing. Looking back to a time when times were better. Looking back to the days of our youthfulness. Looking back to a time when our children were small and our families were intact. Looking back to when our job was going well and things were good. Looking back when the church here may have been stronger. The Ecclesiastes writer tells us, do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. If anyone could have looked back, it would have been with longing, it would have been Christ. Turn with me to Philippians, if you would. Philippians chapter 2. We see here that chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, the writer says, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and, becoming, and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Folks, if anybody could have looked back, it could have been Jesus. But he didn't. Consider where he had been. Over in Luke, 
Luke chapter 9, Christ gives us a warning about looking back. In verse 62 of Luke chapter 9, Christ says, No one, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. C.S. Lewis once said, Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends along the way, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. If we're true to Christ, the best is yet to come. Before we conclude this morning, I want to share with you a story that I found. And the story goes like this. The sound of Martha's voice on the other end of the telephone always brought a smile to the preacher's face. She was not only one of the oldest members of the congregation, but one of the most faithful. Aunt Marty, as all the children like to call her, just seemed to ooze faith, hope, and love wherever she went. This time, however, there seemed to be an unusual tone in her voice. Preacher... Would you stop by this afternoon? I need to talk to you. Of course. I'll be there around three, the preacher said. Is that okay? It didn't take long to discover the reason for what had been (coughs) sensed in her voice before. As they sat facing each other in the quiet of her small living room, Martha shared the news that her doctor had just discovered a previously undetected tumor. He says, I probably only have six months to live. Martha's words were naturally serious, yet there was a definite calm in her voice. I'm so sorry to... But before the preacher could finish, Martha interrupted. Don't be. The Lord's been good to me. I'm ready to go. You know that. I know, the preacher responded with a reassuring nod. But I do want to talk to you about my funeral, she said. I've been thinking about it, and there are things that I know I want. The two talked quietly for a long time. They talked about Martha's favorite hymns, the passages of Scripture that had meant so much to her through the years. And when it seemed they had just about covered everything, Aunt Marty paused and looked up with a twinkle in her eye, and then she added, One more thing, preacher. When they bury me, I want my old Bible in one hand and a fourth in the other. A fourth? Why do you want a fork? Why do you want to be buried with a fork, the preacher asked. She replied, I've been thinking about all those dinners and banquets that I've attended over the many years. And one thing sticks in my mind. At those really nice get-togethers, when the meal was almost finished, a server would come by and collect the dirty dishes. And I can hear the words now. Someone would lean over my shoulder and whisper, Keep your fork. And do you know what that meant? Dessert was coming. They would, when they told me I should keep my fork, I knew the best was yet to come. As we started out this morning at beginning of the lessons, I stated that longing for things to remain the same is to miss the point that we're on a journey. We're traveling a path that leads us to heaven. Let's all get there 
where there'll be no regrets, there'll be no looking back, but an eternity of joy and praise to our Lord. Are you on that path that leads you to heaven? If not, would you like to be? We can take care of that this morning. The water's prepared. You simply need to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Or have you been on the path and you've gone astray and you need the prayers of the saints here, whatever your case may be, why don't you come while together we stand and we sing.